Sophie's Place is a nonprofit organization made possible by the Forever Young Foundation. Their mission is to bring music therapy clinics to pediatric hospitals throughout the nation. Sophie's Place is named for Sophie Barton, a young singer-songwriter who loved to volunteer at Primary Children's Hospital before she passed away due to heart complications. Steve and Barb Young, founders of the Forever Young Foundation, strive to honor Sophie's memory through bringing music and healing to young hospital patients all over the U.S. They are passionate about the real medicinal benefits of music therapy. There are six Sophie's Place locations currently with more to come. We are pleased to welcome two therapists from the Sophie's Place team to the podcast, Malia and Jesse. Malia Roy is a board-certified music therapist working at C.S. Mott Children's Hospital as a music therapy fellow where she is piloting a music therapy program with the palliative care team. Malia graduated from Purdue University Fort Wayne in 2019 and interned with University of Pittsburgh Medical Center at the psychiatric facility and children's hospital there. She has a background with Medicaid waiver services in private practice, working with individuals who have developmental disabilities, and she is also neurologic music therapy trained. Malia's philosophy centers around anti-oppressive practice and cultural humility in the music therapy profession. Jesse Morgan is a board-certified music therapist at C.S. Mott Children's Hospital, where he works with patients and their caregivers in general care, dialysis, apheresis, and on the pediatric cardiothoracic unit. He received his bachelor's in music therapy from Eastern Michigan University in 2022. Jesse's passion is community music therapy, which involves meeting people where they are, physically and figuratively, planning with people, not for people, and developing strategic music interventions to improve the well-being of communities. He has collaborated on a number of research projects with Sophie's Place producer Mark Whalen, some of which will be linked in the show notes below this episode. He will also be giving a presentation on community music therapy in a pediatric hospital at the GLR conference in March 2023. Outside of his job, Jesse is a proud father to his children, Stuart, 17, Naomi, 11, and Phoebe, 9. All aboard the Safe Haven Express. It's time to take a trip to Sophie's Place. Welcome to another episode of Able Voice Podcast with Kim and Haley. Hello. Today we are thrilled to be joined by several of the music therapists from various Sophie's Place locations um, to share with us all about what they do with Sophie's Place. So welcome. We're so excited to have you and to hear about all of your journeys and experiences. We always love to start the podcast with hearing a little bit about each of our guests. We'll throw it over to each of you to perhaps introduce yourself and your individual journeys to becoming a practicing music therapist. Hello. 
Um, so my name is Malia Roy. I am a music therapist with the palliative care team at C.S. Mott Children's Hospital in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, so I guess I started my journey with music therapy um, when I was in second grade. I've been playing piano, doing lessons since second grade. And uh, when it came time to think about what I wanted to do for college, I said, I want to do something with music, but I'm just not sure what. <laughs> I don't want to be um, a teacher and I don't want to be a performer. And I like psychology. And so um, my piano teacher, actually, she was the one who said, oh, music therapy. And I was like, what? <laughs> What's music therapy? And uh, from there, I uh, went to Purdue University, Fort Wayne in Indiana. And ever since then, it's just been I've just fallen more and more in love with music therapy and um, just been able to grow my practice. I did my internship in Pittsburgh, um, which was half at a psychiatric facility and half at a children's hospital there. Uh, loved that setting um, and always knew I wanted to go back to the medical setting if I could. But I spent a couple of years in Indiana um, working with neurodivergent folks through the Medicaid waiver setting, and then um, also took a grad level class um, in social justice and music therapy. That's a major part of my music therapy practice and just my overall philosophy. Um, and then after that, I got this fellowship here at CS Mott. And she's amazing. You you do a lot of different, um, a lot of different. You're wearing a lot of different hats right now too. Is that difficult? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I do have a lot of hats right now. Not only am I piloting the palliative care music therapy program, but I also um, do or help out with music therapy and activity therapy with the child and adolescent psych unit there once a week and then also once a week I get to do patient video gaming <laughs> so that is <laughs> another part of my job that um I'm really lucky to be able to do wow that's incredible yeah so many things and so many hats that you're wearing and um I'd love to pick your brain at some point about how you're including social justice in your practice and what that course was all about as well, um, because it's something I'm super passionate about and try to include in our practice at Synergy and in all of the content that we put out in the podcast as well. So that's awesome. We're so grateful to have you on the podcast. We're looking forward to hearing more about your work with Sophie's Place. But can we pass the microphone, let's say, <laughs> over to Jesse and learn a little bit more about you before we jump into all of that. So I really like, thank you. Thank you. Um, and thank you for having us on the podcast. This is super fun. Um, I really like the fact that Malia is doing these other, all, all sorts of different, um, she's working in different areas within the hospital. That is a great way to get to know people, to build relationships across departments, which is super important. And um, I am really focused, my main focus is um, community music therapy. I wouldn't say my main focus, I would say my natural like my the what I fall into is I, I think in terms of 
community music therapy because I think of it in an ecological way, I guess you'd say. Um, so my story starts a long, long time ago, way back um, in the 1970s. And um, I was a patient at Mott. I was there for two 30-day stays back then for uh, kidney operations. And I still remember that. That's like really pr still present in my, not so much the memory of it, but just the feel of the hospital. And I, you know, it's, it's really interesting. So that helps me, I think, connect to, to young people in a certain way, you know, not that, that it's like, it's just a, an interesting thing that, that, that can be helpful sometimes for me. It started, I, so I had the, my few, uh, my two stays at Mott when I was a kid. I had a lot of trauma as a young person. Music was the thing that got me through. Music was the thing that um, connected me to my father who did not live with me. Music was the um, a thing that, you know, soothed, soothed my soul and, and um, helped me helped me survive and to uh, eventually to thrive. And uh, when I was 10, I started taking piano lessons and I loved it. It was amazing to have a way to express myself was was huge. And so I, I dove all the way in and I was just like very, very, very focused. I played I had a little cardboard keyboard that I played for six weeks before the piano came, you know, because it was on layaway or whatever. I went to Interlochen when I was a teenager um, in the late 80s. I went to their summer camp. Um, I also went to Blue Lake. Uh, I love those experiences. And then I went off to school and my family didn't really recognize music therapy as a realistic profession. And I, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit older. And so I, it, it, it's changed a lot. So no, there wasn't a lot of support to, for me to pursue that, um, that vision of what I wanted to do. I ended up going back. So I ended up teaching high school English, which I loved. And, um, but I, the thing I loved most about it was teaching yearbook and newspaper because it's a team and we're all together doing this thing. And we have this art, you know, we have a piece of art that we're creating essentially. And so I love that. I didn't really enjoy teaching grammar um, and I just didn't get to play music. So uh, when I was 30, I went back to school for music therapy, ended up not working out at that point. Um, I met someone, fell in love, started a family, had three kids. And then um, finally in 2012, I went back again to school for my third bachelor's degree. Uh, my first one was in teaching uh, secondary English. And my second one was in music, general music. And then my latest was music therapy, of course. While I was raising a family, I founded a nonprofit called Community Records. And we would work with uh, youth of color, oppressed, traumatized youth. We would work with um, whoever was in the local public schools in Ypsilanti. So we worked. We worked in uh, with people in Dearborn. We ended up working with like over two thousand young people over five years, from two thousand seven to two thousand twelve, and. Uh, 
we had these songwriting workshops and and so i brought in um i was connected to um Akili Jackson, who was uh, the guy who did uh, community records with me. Um, incidentally, he works at the uh, hospital also, but in a different different department. And um, that guy was amazing at engaging young people. And so he would come in and engage the youth. We, we were at uh, Youthville in Detroit. We were at um, uh, summer camps, uh, homeless shelters. We were at after school programs and community centers. And we would talk about like ask young people what their role in the community was. And then we would talk about what issues that were needed to be dealt with, what were the most pressing issues, and they would pick one. And then they we would write as a group, and Akili would lead this. He was really good at it. And and then we would write as a group the the song and um the the chorus would be the solution and then we'd support it and then we break into groups of uh we have uh singers uh rappers dancers production people any kind of role they wanted to play you know and then we we recorded the cd and i had local um local uh producers like music producers uh come in and and uh, work on the raw tracks and and make them sound more you know pro and then then we had a ceremony at the end and everybody got their their song and we did that over a hundred times in five years and it was amazing and um i met so you know some really some really great friends through that so that was really that was before i actually went back finally for music therapy and that's when i became a music therapist incredible journey and story and intentional i find like in every phase that you were in throughout your life you found a way to make that experience intentional so there was something that you loved about teaching English or teaching or being a teacher in school. I won't mm -hmm. say teaching English because grammar, I don't think that's anybody's favorite. I don't know. <laughs> um, but you found something intentional or a way to make that experience intentional in every instance you were. And even during the wonderful life phase of of starting a family and um, connecting to your love of music at that point as well, you were able to make something of that, find partners in the community that created this wonderful program that sounds like that touched the lives of so many people um, that might not have had access to that in the same way. And how important, I think all of us here know how important music has been to us individually and what role it's played. You mentioned when you were a child, you realized that during your stay at the hospital. So what a great gift to then be able to pay forward to others um, so that they can, can have that connection um and introduction to a musical experience and see where that goes thank you for that summary it was very nice i am so grateful both of you have very different stories and different ways of how you came in contact with music therapy in general and just these pivotal moments even a, a piano teacher telling you about music therapy, um, you know, you coming into this experience that essentially led you to music therapy and to find out more about music therapy, even though it wasn't, there wasn't a lot of support in, in, in that time. Um, and the, how it's developed today, we are 
fortunate that more people are coming to understand what music therapy is and um, opportunities to access music therapy services. You both work in this fabulous place that was developed on a very important mission from what I'm told and what I've learned and researched about Sophie's place. Uh, I'm excited to learn more about uh, the mission and um you know, how this mission of Sophie's Place aligns with your individual professional values? That's a good question. We have to give credit to uh, Meredith. She brought it to life at Mott. I know um, I know that she was working on it for like seven, eight years. Um, and that, that requires a lot of uh, perseverance and, you know, and to have that vision and, and just to be, there are just so many things along the way that... Um, you know, that always don't go the way you expect them to, but to be able to like stick it out and, and see it through, that's, that's a wonderful thing. So thanks to Meredith for that. It is a beautiful studio, a $1.5 million studio. Sometimes I pinch myself when I go to work in the morning. It's, it's just lovely. It sounds great. It's got like multiple green screens. People have donated. So many people have donated instruments. Really sweet people who don't even ask to be mentioned. Yeah, it's, a, it's so it's an amazing, the facility itself is, is beautiful and it's in the hospital. I'll let Malia talk a little bit about it. Oh, I was just thinking about how um, you said, Haley, how music therapy has come a long way. And I think um, Sophie's places in general very much align with um, that mission of making sure, or like just the advocacy has grown um, so much because of Sophie's places and also the accessibility part of it too. Um I'm amazed by just the intentionality that went into uh, building the place that we have. And um, like, you can just see it. Like there are um, considerations for sensory needs. We have like light dimmers. Um, there are separate spaces. If you, if somebody um, wants to go into a bigger space, we have a big group uh room and then a small group room too that's more enclosed it tells you how much intentionality and care um for the patients that has been put into this place um with the mission and the um intention that like it's for the patients it's for the patient's benefit and it's for them to be able to express themselves and just be who they want to be. That's so right. And it's such a huge thing. I wasn't here before Sophie's Place, but I know it must have upped the uh, or, you know, profile of the music therapy department. A lot more people know about music therapy and um, and they, you know, the more they see uh, people giving to it and the more they experience it themselves, um, that's the key is, is to try to include as many people in, in music therapy or to have them at least adjacent. Because uh, when, people, when people see, then they really know. You know, when they participate in it, then they really know. Um, we could talk all day and, and it's not the same as being in on a, a session. And I'm not talking about like people coming to patient sessions. I, I, I'm thinking more of like, uh, I'm working with staff members. I do this thing called Song of the Day. I came up with this thing called Song of the Day where it's simple. We just have uh, uh, patients, caregivers, staff members 
pick out a song that is important to them, and then we ask them to uh, just tell us why they why they chose it. And people can come on; they can we can use footage from their room and include that, or they can come on with us. And I've had people interview and then watch me play the song, and then I've had people come in and like actually play along with the song. Those folks are getting a little taste of music therapy, just and and what you know how music can touch people. Um, and I'm working with. Uh, staff members, say people in guest services, um, people in law enforcement, people in different areas of the hospital that we might not normally come into contact with. Just building those relationships across departments is super important because then, then we have a relationship. Then things can start to organically happen. It's all about the relationships. Yeah, it's like that access point. You know, we we talk a lot about you know, elevator pitches and, you know, giving the spiel about what music therapy is when we meet somebody. And it's like just give allowing somebody to have that access point to understand mm-hmm. or to be curious about what it is, is, um, you know, integral. And I think it's just a part of what we do right now as music therapists. I don't think we've gotten so far ahead that people just, uh, it's great when people just automatically know, but more often than not, we're still having to explain what it is that we're doing. And when people are able to observe or see it in action, that's just a, a moment I find for a lot of people. I invite, you know, family members to come and sit on, in on sessions and they're like, I would have never imagined this is what it looks like or mm-hmm. break down for people what's actually happening in the session it's like they would have never thought of that session in that way. And it's amazing. I think people are starting to value what we do. And I agree wholeheartedly that once people are able to see it, they will, you know, believe in what it has to offer. And that's the whole reason I wrote my book is because I wanted more people to be able to see what music therapy was in in picture format or in an accessible way. And I think the more that we get to do those things as music therapists, the greater uh, the awareness of what we can do uh, and and the impact that we can have in people's lives will be. Yeah, and going off of that, Haley, like exactly what you said, Jesse, of of the relationships that we're building within our teams, right? Um, Or within the people that we interact with as a budding field and as a field that's continuing to gain traction, we really need those people in our corner to help us advocate or to help spread the word. And so finding those really authentic and genuine interactions where we're not, you know, just walking up to someone and spitting out the definition of music therapy is da-da-da-da-da, but really forming those relationships where we can connect with them and what a cool way to do it by inviting them into a a song of the day type of interaction because you're like you said giving them that taste a little taste of what we could do with music and then that's kind of like the spark the fuel to you know be able to talk for days or to (laughs) engage that way I just, I, yes, I agree. I just had a meeting with the, the head of law enforcement and civic engagement at Mott. And I was, my goal was to find out what his relationship to music was. You know, that's always my first mm-hmm. goal. Um, 
And it turns out he's a drummer who played in this band in, in like L.A. in the 90s. And he's amazing. And he plays in a Greek traditional band. And and he's just like a really good musician. And so he ended up at the end of the meeting, we're in the studio uh, jamming together with Sophie's Place producer Mark Whalen. And so <laughs> I was like... It, I had no idea. And and he's got all of this music, pe musical passion and skills. And I'm excited to see, you know, where that goes. Um, I don't have any pre pre-made plans. Um, but I am, I know something will happen. <laughs> I love that. And I love like at the root of that is just, again, that connection, right? Like what's your relationship to music. And now you have this huge insight of, of all these budding things that you can learn about one another. And oh, I love that. It sounds like, um, you know, a really root piece of or, or element of Sophie's Place is that story or giving these music therapy participants um, the space to be able to share their story. Mm -hmm. And based on the little, little bits that we're getting to know about each of you, it sounds like that probably aligns with some of your values, especially, you know, Malia, you, you with your social justice course, um, I'm sure that this person-centered approach um, must align with you in some way. And I'm, I'm interested to hear a little bit more about what that alignment is like. What is it like to work in a place that um, perhaps emulates some of your own values or um, connects with your approach to therapy? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I love all of this um, conversation surrounding like the relationship based because that is something that um, is in the forefront of my music therapy practice for sure. Um, when uh, I think about that question, I I think of an experience that I recently had with one of my patients. Um, she was a or she is a teenager um, who was in the hospital for uh, she has sickle cell disease and she was in the hospital for a pain crisis and um, she I heard she liked to sing and that she liked music so I went up there and introduced myself and asked if she wanted to go to Sophie's place. And um, I could see she was in a little bit of pain. So I was like, oh, well, like, if you don't want to go, that's totally fine. Or we can go later. She was like, no, no, like, I do have a headache, but like, I want to keep, I want to go. So um, we get her down there and um, she just is in awe, like the moment she steps into that place. And that's what I love to see um, when I take families down there or when I take patients down there. It's just like their face just lights up. Um, and she was like, it doesn't look like a hospital, like this is such a cool place. We, we go in and I start playing the piano and she starts singing. I think 15 minutes in, maybe less, she goes, she stops and goes, oh, my headache's gone. Like, I don't, I don't have a headache anymore. Um, this is great. <laughs> and I think we spent about an hour in there and, uh, just had the, the best time. And, um, a couple of days ago, she sent me the sweetest email and she said, Malia, like, I thank you for bringing me down to Sophie's place. I wasn't thinking about why I was in the hospital. I wasn't thinking about my pain. You allowed me to just be. And I think that that is so great. And just what I would hope for all of my patients that are able to um, ex go experience Sophie's place or experience music therapy. Um and and I think that's just amazing. I, I wouldn't have been able to do it without without Sophie's place and um, without the connection and the relationships that we're able to have with music. 
I just uh, yesterday we recorded. Uh, I recorded the national anthem um, as I was the accompanist, and my patient played the uh, trumpet. And he's a cardiology patient. I have now known him for many, many months. You know our relationship and why it's great. It's because we're always playing music. And when he was in the hospital for, you know, months, he would come down and it would be this like thing that he did every day or almost every day. He wanted to do it every day. It's like outside of the hospital. It's not in the hospital. It's, it's another world. And not only is it, does it look different and feel different, but then, you know, the music comes and it, it is a completely different experience. Yeah, I, I kind of chuckled to myself for a little bit um, when you said, I've known him for months and months. And <laughs> um, <laughs> it made me think just for a moment, like the experience just working in, in a, a hospital setting, you mu it must be unpredictable sometimes how long you have with somebody to build relationship. Like it could be a really short period of time. Maybe you see that person only like a handful of times or even less. And then, you know, other people you're able to build relationship over a course of several months, um, you know, and, and just how you have to manage building yeah. those relationships and, you know, really making them intentional and meaningful that for that person, for whatever time you're given. And maybe even every session that you have with them has to be just as meaningful or, um, intentional with with the people that you're working with in that setting and it's just it's different from my experience as a therapist so it's it's interesting for me to learn it or to to wrap my head around that concept of you know how uh each session can make such a big impact because you don't know how how long you have with that person um which and it's at its core, it's probably true no matter what. <laughs> yeah, it is, but it really underlines the fact. It really like emphasizes every moment of every session is is important. You know, that your first impression is just so, everything's important. And uh, you can't worry too much about it or you wouldn't be able to do anything. But it's, uh, you know, it's definitely underlines it because usually I get to take my time in long-term care I get to take my time to get to know somebody um, but also there's uh you know if, if I am referred a palliative care music therapy participant then I know okay I need to make every moment with this person very meaningful and impactful for them um because I don't know how long I have with this person. Uh, I might only have this one session. And so for you to have to live in that place like all the time and to um, have to facilitate uh, facilitate that in those relationships that you're building is so interesting to me. I would love to learn more from the both of you about the the day in the life mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> of a pediatric music therapist. So, you know, what, what does it look like for you? The schedule is, I mean, we, we develop our own schedules. We start to develop our own, you know, you got to have some kind of pattern. At least I do. Um, but we, but we are, you know, constantly the schedule schedule is constantly shifting um, based on what the patient when the patients are available or how they feel. So that, yeah. that's, that's hard to get used to. It's like it's, it's just like always changing. 
And I am a person who likes things that change. I don't like to have the same day every day. But wow, it, it's really uh, keeps you on your toes. I can imagine. I can imagine. It's the same for you, Malia. Yeah, yeah. Um, our, uh, the group text that we have within our um, team of music therapists, it's always like, oh, I want to bring down a patient to Sophie's place. 15 minutes later, never mind, they're sleeping. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's um it it's definitely, yeah, it's ever changing, ever shifting. Um, but I think that uh, as for me, as far as um I go and with how I work, I think it's um it fosters just the need to be in the moment and to um be flexible. Um which just aligns with like my music therapy philosophy. And um, I think that's good. I think like autonomy for patients is very important. Um, So that ability that a patient can say no to a music therapy session is so crucial. And so I, I kind of like being that person that you can say no to. Yeah, same. Yeah, that's a really meaningful thing right like the ability just to say no to a certain or at a certain given time you know that option isn't always there for the people that we work with so how empowering is it to say like "Mm, not right now or to be able to initiate that um, and not to be met with judgment or pressure or um, you know any of those shame feelings it's like not only if you're a patient you're not only are you in a you know not Mm. only have something wrong with your physical self but then you've got you're you're thrust into this new environment where you know everybody else is the expert (laughs) and you know it it can really be uh anxiety producing for people you know understandably Mm. so so it it is great to be one of the the people who can um, who can help to normalize it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Why do you think so many people love Sophie's place as an escape in that setting? I mean, I music is to me is spiritual. Okay, so so I believe like it it touches people's spirits, it touches people's souls. There is a lot of you know like i said there's people are in crisis in the hospital and and that is a, usually when spirit and soul you know come to the fore you know in my opinion uh so it's just Im- important that we address the spirit as well as the mind and the body and i think music does that and and i think it, in a hospital it needs to be addressed and and uh, it needs a it needs a voice. It needs to be expressed. It needs to be there, along with the along with people's bodies and their minds. Mm-hmm. And I think to add, add on to that, the um, with Sophie's place in particular, it I think the visual aspect helps a lot. Like it doesn't look like yeah, it doesn't look like a hospital setting. Um, we've got big windows that let all the light in and the recording studio looks like a recording studio at a music, uh, place. I think visually that helps. And then also just the ability to, for the music therapists, I know like Jesse and all of our music therapists on our team have that ability to just create that safe space for them to be able to express themselves. How important is that just 
having a safe place where you feel heard, where you feel seen, and you have the autonomy to make decisions about your life in an environment where a lot of things are controlled for you. You know, what what sigh of relief must that bring to, to people? Yeah, that's incredible. I I love hearing the both of you talk. I can hear passion <laughs> behind each one of your voices. And it's an important message, I think, for people to hear. Uh, but I want to know from your perspective, why do you think it's important for the message of your work and, and what it's accomplishing in the lives of, of others? Why do you think that's important for people to hear today? I mean, I'll say the the it addresses, you know, people's spirits and their souls and that that part of ourselves that is uh, uh, that is creative. Um, what is it, uh, Nordoff Robbins, where they talk about the musical child, the, the musical child within, you know, that, that is, that's a real thing. And um, so I, I think that is a huge, important part of, you know, why I do what I do. But beyond that, it's just music is just a great way to help people meet their needs. I mean, the, there is a powerful tool that helps people whatever their goals are, helps them, you know, meet their goals. And then we get to help be, be creative. I think it's important that we use our imaginations. We, uh, there's so much lack of imagination. It can be, it, it, we just need more. We need to, to be able to um, come up with creative ways of engaging with folks and um and helping them to be creative and helping them to express uh, their full themselves fully i completely agree um especially yeah with what you were talking about jesse the musical child is the authentic child and um i i like research um <laughs> so i think about like this statistic that i learned uh pretty recently some one another music therapist that i was talking to actually told me this um but there was a study going out that uh was talking about positive outcomes for music therapy uh sessions and it said 60 percent of um positive outcomes are due to outside forces so um that's like things that are outside of our control. Um, 40% that is in our control, 10% of that is the actual intervention. 30% of that 40% um, is therapeutic rapport. So um, it just highlights for me the importance of relationship building and making those connections and um, Music is a great way to do that. Um, can sometimes be the the only way. There needs to be a safe place to do that. Sophie's place is one of those safe places. Well said. It is one of those safe places, and and what a gift! What a gift we've been given, and we get to share with um, our patients. Yeah, definitely. And being able to use the tool that we have, like you've been both mentioning the music to be able to connect and to hear those stories and 
you know, to release that oxytocin to connect with with others. It's a it's a really beautiful thing to get to hear about the work that you're doing and the space that's been created. And, you know, almost like this, I'm picturing an oasis just because of how lovely you've made it seem. And it sounds like such a phenomenal physical space, but such as open and welcoming space to be able to come and just be authentically yourself. And um, Malia, I love that statistic of just highlighting how much of it is just in being there um, with the people that we're connecting with. And yes, of course, the work is important and the intervention is important and the planning and the schooling is so crucial for us to be able to do what we do safely, but never underestimating the power of just being able to connect and be present with the people. And this safe haven that you've been able to develop um I that's what I'm picturing in my head too Kim it's just this beautiful place (laughs) where you know I wish was a a wider depiction of you know the world at large Mm -hmm. (laughs) again thanks to Meredith for her perseverance thanks to the Bartons for um for starting this whole thing Mm -hmm. and and thanks to the Steve Young Foundation for uh for supporting it it's, I heard they just put another Sophie's place in a, another hospital, um, which makes, what, number eight? That's an incredible opportunity. And to continue to build on 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 that and only create more. <laughs> yeah, and each of those hospitals has a, has a whole recording studio dedicated to music therapy. That just changed the game. I, I just imagine, you know, it's this nuclear um, experience that each... Uh, each Sophie's place must have with the individuals that they're serving, but to be able to connect with a wider network and resource beyond that one location, you know, you're, I I don't know how much interaction you get with the other therapists from other locations, but it must be wonderful to feel a part of something so special, um, something larger than yourself. It really does. And, and when we think of music therapy, you know, that's, in essence, we are as professionals, as individuals, we um, are a part of this thing, this incredible resource and tool that we have to use music intentionally with with people and build relationship with people. We have this opportunity to be part of something bigger than ourselves. And so I'm wondering if you have hopes um, for the field of music therapy in general at large? It's a big question that we love to ask people if they have thoughts around this, because what way to better continue to push that bill forward and to make greater change with what we're doing than to vocalize and be part of that dreaming, <laughs> that dreaming community that can always create, you know, um, that can always learn and continue to grow and develop. Yes, we we can't. We have to imagine it first. That's very true. Yeah. Yeah. We have to, we have to imagine it. It can't become reality if nobody has the thought or nobody has the action or drive to put, put it forward. So, you know, just like Sophie's place that started out of a, um, you know, a circumstance that led to somebody saying, Hey, we need this. And we find this important. Um, Let's put some action behind it. Let's find some resources to get it going. Um, You know, everything in life starts that way and music therapy is still one of those growing professions so there's so much space to grow i want to see people connect across um you know i've worked in libraries at schools in summer camps i've worked in a lot of different 
places. I've had a lot of different jobs. That has all given me information about like kind of how people work, how things are at work, etc. I can't wait to see how we can do community music therapy across different institutions and in different communities, you know, connecting. Um, it can be music is such a powerful force. The fact that I am actually doing the community music therapy that I've always like wanted to do blows my mind. Like it blows my mind that I'm actually got to this point and am at the at the precipice of of doing this this work, which uh, will bring music into the community to help heal the community. You know, um, we have a lot of collective trauma and a lot of things a lot of things to work through around racism, around senseless violence. Um, we have all kinds of, all kinds of healing to do. And, and music is a, you know, music's my tool. So I'm going to be connecting with people and bringing music um, to co a community near you. Um, I, I do love working with people individually though. So I want to continue with that. And I love the hospital. Um, I love Mott. So I'll continue with that as long as I can. Being a music therapist of color, I would like to see more diversity um, in music therapists, more music therapists that represent um, the people that we're serving. That, I mean, that could include like more accessibility to education for music therapy as well. And then also in the medical setting as well, I would love to see more music therapists in general, <laughs> just more music therapists. Because um, the more music therapists there are, the more uh, ability and um, yeah, the more ability that we are able to serve um, the whole hospital. And also we are able to be able, um, we're able to be a part of that holistic interdisciplinary team. I'm piloting the palliative care music therapy program with this hospital. And that's one of the major things that I'm seeing is that um, just my presence in that team adds to more access for patients and more care that, yeah, more like different, a variety of care that I can provide. Yes. That's fantastic. Yes. <laughs> yes. We would love to see a music therapist at every hospital around <laughs> the world. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing those hopes. I think, you know, um, as you were saying, you need to um, imagine the future before we can necessarily get there. And being able to hear your hopes gives me, um, you know, that inspiration and that validation that there are other people in the field working towards, um, you know, shared visions, shared goals, shared things that will only um, seek to improve our overall, you know, global wellness and healing. Change continues to happen. And it's just everything, you know, the field's going to just keep changing. Mm -hmm. You know, there are a lot of good changes coming, coming around, seems like. Positive change. <laughs> That's what I meant. Not good, positive. All the, all the you know, synonyms. <laughs> There's your grammar coming back to help us out. I'm more interested in like the creative writing and all that. Yeah, we all have all of these, you know, unique skills and abilities and, and what better way to put them all to good use and, and, and you know, have this great impact that we're able to make together. Thank you both so much for coming and chatting with us. I learned so much. <laughs> 
from the both of you. And I love getting to know other music therapists around the world, hearing their stories and, um, you know, more learn more about the work that they're doing. So we are grateful to you and the work that you're doing, the lives that you're impacting, and the advocacy that you're doing for this profession. We're, we're better when we are collectively working toward shared goals, like Kim, Kim said. So thank you so much for coming and using this as another platform for advocacy. And thank you. You're both very, very intelligent, informed, and delightful. Uh, thank you for doing this podcast and for contributing to positive change through this podcast. Thank you for listening to the Able Voice podcast. If you want to hear more episodes like this, subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media at Synergy Music Therapy. You can also find links to our most recent and top-rated episodes on our website at www.synergymusictherapy.com.